And one Sunday, after been there for a few weeks, after he has finished his sermon and he's doing an altar call, my eight-year-old daughter, Lauren, She leans over to me and she says, Daddy, I th- I'm supposed to go down there. She gets up, goes down. Jim prays with her. The following week, they had a baptism, and Jim baptized my daughter. I will be forever grateful. For men like Jim, who preach truth. The other thing that Jim did is that I was trying to find a place that I could teach. And through a process of discussions and conversations with Jim, he, he said, you know, there's this little church called Church of the Apostles, and Dr. Yusuf is looking for somebody to teach. I met Dr. Yusuf, and here I am, 31 years later, still teaching. In 1991, uh, Jim and Susan and their three sons moved um, from Mount Vernon, and they went up and they started Weirs Valley Ranch. He serves as the executive director. Besides teaching and preaching in his radio program that he has called Abiding in Christ, which airs weekly on Sirius XM, he also has a podcast. I don't know how people find enough time in the day to do all these things. It's not enough. Jim has also serves as a senior pastor at Covenant Community Church at Weirs Valley in Sevier County, Tennessee. One thing that I can assure you after all the years of knowing Jim, he is like King David. He is a man after God's own heart. He loves God. He loves his word. And he's not ashamed of the gospel. Let's give Jim a warm apostles welcome. Jim. Thank you so much, brother. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you so much for that very kind introduction. I I remember those events, and uh, it is... A beautiful thing to see the faithfulness of God displayed in the faithfulness of his servants like Monty. Um, Our text this morning is Hebrews chapter 11, verses 13 through 16, and I'm going to be reading from the New International Version. This is God's Word. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they'd been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. 
Heavenly Father, grant that we would hear your voice and believe your word. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Susan and I left Atlanta with three children. Um, we still have those three, but uh, we've added some more uh, since then. When our youngest started college, uh, we were very happy empty nesters. We did not miss the pitter-patter of little feet. We enjoyed being there, knowing that our children were out serving the Lord in other places. And God said, I have some other children for you. And we ended up adopting four more kids, uh, three of them from Ukraine. And it has been an adventure, let me tell you. But it's been wonderful. I remember, however, when our oldest child, um, who was born with severe medical complications and uh, paraplegia and hydrocephalus and this sort of thing, when Paul had traveled with me to be on a Christian television program, 100 Huntley Street, up in Canada, uh, he was a preschooler, an adorable little preschooler with long leg braces. And um, we were in the airport on the way back. And Paul just had a way, he, he, absolutely adorable. He's now in his 40s, I won't call him adorable. He now looks like a Viking with a big red beard. But in any case, uh, Paul just connected with people wherever he went. He just was like a magnet, a people magnet. And um, some innocent lady looked at him and said, Hi, where's your home? And Paul, as a preschooler, simply spoke out of the abundance of his heart. He looked at her and he said, Heaven. He wasn't trying to be cute. He was speaking out of the overflow of the heart. Because you see, our son had to learn early in life that his future was going to be different in 100 years than what it was as a preschooler. And it was going to be different in 1,000 years from what it was as a preschooler. And it was going to be different in 10,000 years from what it was as a preschooler. And so what happened was that he learned to look forward to the future because he knew that because of Jesus, even as a preschooler, he knew that because of Jesus, he had a better home. And that's where he was headed. And that's where his hope was. That's where his affection was. He answered out of the abundance of the heart. My grandfather, when he was in his mid-teens, decided that he was going to leave Norway, sailing out of the port there in Stavanger, and head for the United States of America, the land of promise. His brother was here, his older brother, and he was hoping his brother had prepared a place for him. But his brother wrote to him just before he was to leave and said, don't come, I'm very ill. 
within a month after he got to America because he didn't take no for an answer. He was determined that he was going to the United States. And within a month after he got here, his brother was dead. And he was on his own in a new country, 16 years old, didn't speak English, didn't have an education, except just the early grades that they taught in Norway. And um, what do you do? Well, let's encapsulate it and say he became a very successful businessman in the Chicago area. Very successful. And most importantly, he and his wife helped plant a church because the immigrant church they were initially part of had all the services in Norwegian. And they wanted their children, like my mother and her brothers, to grow up speaking English because they knew that they lived in a new country now and they wanted their children to be successful so they wanted their children, even in the home, to speak English because this was now their new country. They didn't repudiate their Norwegian heritage, but they didn't dwell on it either. They wanted their children to be Americans. And so they brought them up as Americans speaking English. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for God's hand of blessing on my family. But Michael your pastor, has a habit of inviting me to come this time of year. And one of the things that this church is characterized by is a great deal of emphasis on patriotism and the joy of being a U.S. citizen. I agree. I think it's wonderful. But I've asked myself, I wonder why Michael seems even more zealous about that than I am. I grew up here, and that's the reason. There's a tendency, a temptation, if you will, to take the familiar for granted. Michael didn't start out in Atlanta, as you know. Michael knows what it is to live under another sort of government. Michael knows what it is to live in a culture that is largely hostile toward the truth. Michael knows much more about the world from firsthand experience than I do. And so Michael, your pastor, wants you to understand, as I believe God wants you to understand, how extraordinarily blessed we are and how important it is that we not take our freedoms for granted. Amen? Amen. This church has a tremendous opportunity to continue to stand with our brothers and sisters around the world who are part of our family in Christ who are suffering for their faith in Christ. 
because they are true to the gospel, they're being persecuted. You heard from Andrew Brunson last week. You're hearing again this morning. Even as we celebrate the blessings of being here in the United States, we must remember our brothers and sisters all around the world who are our family. Some years ago, my middle brother, who is now a retired pastor, but this was quite a few years ago, shared with his congregation something that stunned me because I was sitting in his congregation that particular morning. He said, I just received word this morning that my brother's home was broken into and he was dragged out of his home along with his wife and children and his children watched as he and his wife were tortured and then executed right before their eyes. I was shocked and I was thinking, wait a minute, this can't be right. And then he went on to share. He wasn't talking about me. He wasn't talking about our older brother. He was talking about one of our brothers overseas. Not physically, genetically, our brother. But our blood-bought brother in Christ for whom that kind of persecution is an ongoing reality. We need to celebrate the tremendous blessings we have in this land. But folks, we can't stop there. We've got to recognize that our responsibility in this land is to live as ambassadors for the kingdom of God. We are ambassadors for Christ. It's not, hi, my name is Jesus, and I'm looking for some Christians who would be willing to represent me here on earth. That's not the way Jesus approaches it. He says to his followers, you are the salt of the earth. The only question is whether or not you're going to lose your savor and be worthless or whether you're going to be salty salt. You are the light of the world. The only question is whether you're going to shine or whether you're going to try and hide under a basket. God doesn't say, some of you are called to be ambassadors for Christ. God's word tells us we are his ambassadors for Christ. We represent him. People are looking at us to see who Jesus is and whether or not he's really alive. I told Monty in the meeting before when a number of the men met downstairs to pray. I said, Monty, I've shared your testimony with somebody in the last six months because I love sharing your testimony of how God changed you. And I'm sure many of you have heard the story of right after he came to faith, he was back on the field playing with a reputation of one of the meanest, toughest guys in football. Monty, yeah. 
and the ref made a call that Monty didn't like and Monty uttered a curse at him and then turned to go back to the field and then swung back around and the ref went like this, crouching because he thought he was about to get beaten up or slugged by Monty. And Monty said, I'm sorry, man, I shouldn't have said that. And then turned and ran on. And the ref came to him after the game and said, what has happened to you? And Monty got to share the gospel with him. That's conversion. That's how an ambassador for Jesus Christ shares who Jesus is. And if he's done it for me, he can do it for you. That's how this works. I want to ask you, where's your home? Not what's your street address. The ranch is still in the same place it was when we started it back in 1991. But we've changed the street address. Used to be Little Greenbrier Road, and then they changed it to Lion Springs Road. And then they were looking at changing it to Line Springs Road. And we said, forget it, we're going to just name our driveway and make that our address. So we worked it out with the county commission and the 911 people, and now the address of Wares Valley Ranch is 101 Fine Place, <laughs> Sevierville, Tennessee. And it is, it's one fine place. But that's our street address. That's where we have a house. That's where we have a children's home and school. But folks, that's not my home. I just... I'm just temporarily housed there. It's temporary. My father and mother lived with us in our home. And when dad went to be with the Lord, and the doctor came and pronounced him dead there in his recliner, having died surrounded by his wife and children, listening to Christian music as he breathed his last. The funeral director sent the folks to collect the body, and I introduced myself and introduced Dad's nurse, and I said, and that used to be Dad's body. You see, Dad wasn't there anymore. The shell was there, the seed was there, Something you plant in the ground doesn't come back as a giant form of itself. If you've ever planted bulbs or corn or whatever, you certainly are not hoping to get back just what you put in. And when we see each other in glory, it's going to be more wonderful than we can imagine now. When John, the beloved disciple, saw Jesus in Revelation chapter 1, he says, I fell down at his feet as if dead. This is John who leaned casually against Jesus at the Last Supper. But now to see him exalted in glory was breathtaking. It was terrifying. It was so glorious. It was way beyond what we can imagine. And that same John, the beloved disciple in 1 John, tells us, Beloved, we are already the children of God, and it doesn't yet appear what we shall be, but we know when Christ shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. That's what we have to look forward to. 
When our son was born with all those medical problems, Susan and I grabbed hold of an important question. What difference will it make in 150 years? You know, it's, we had a lot of ideas about what our child would be like. The doctors didn't know he was going to have all those medical problems, but God did. And I'm just telling you, if we're focused on this life, on our homes, on our yards, on our garages and man caves and all that other silliness. It's all going away. We did live here back in the second half of the 80s and the beginning of the 90s, and I used to love to drive down to places like OK Cafe and see all the magnificent homes in Buckhead going by. So this morning, coming from our friend's house in Sandy Springs and driving down through that way, it was interesting to see the new castles that have been built. And, um, and some of my favorite houses are gone. They're gone. And other estates are now the beginnings of subdivisions. And the people who lived there and the people who lived there and the people who lived there don't live there anymore. Where's your home? Not what house are you living in. Where's your home? My grandfather loved Norway, but he wanted his kids to grow up American. But much more important to him was he wanted his kids to trust Jesus. He wanted them to aim for eternity with Christ. He went back to Norway twice, both times it was to hold evangelistic meetings. Say, oh, he was an evangelist? Well, not his income-producing job. He was a builder, a developer, very successful. But his passion was sharing Jesus with people. And so he'd go into the inner city of Chicago during the worst of the Depression and hold meetings in an inner city mission. My mom would play the piano and grandpa would sing and then do what he called a chalk talk where he would, using colored chalk, make a beautiful picture. And people would watch to see this picture developing and the whole time he's sharing from the scriptures and giving the gospel and calling people to Christ. If you asked him where his home was, it wasn't about this address or this address or this address. His home was in Christ. He knew that's where he was headed. And that's what he wanted was to take other people with him to the Father's house. If we really believe that, if we really understand that we are ambassadors for Christ, then one of the things that we have to learn is to speak the language of our homeland. What is that? When my three adopted kids from Ukraine, we adopted one kid from Alabama, and I guess he had to learn a new language too. But um, 
<laughs> but, but our three kids from Ukraine really came here just beginning to learn English. But if you and I are going to learn the language of the home where we belong, it starts with praise. Praising the Lord. I love the song selections today. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Well, today isn't one of those days, Pastor. I'm just not, just not feeling it. You're not asked to feel it. You're asked to do it. You're commanded to do it. Give thanks and praise to God, whatever the circumstances. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. We are to be people who are speaking the language of heaven. And as we do so, some people are going to say, why are you like that? When my wife was holding our son before his umpteenth surgery, he had 12 surgical procedures in a two-week span right before he turned two years old. And when she's sitting in the hospital corridor, cradling him, holding him, trying to comfort him because he was in excruciating pain, and they were about to take him straight down to the OR and operate, as she held him and sang softly to him, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. The man stepped out of his room across the hall and said, how can you be like that? when your child is in this condition. And so she shared the gospel with him. His name's Lou Silva. He's a pastor in Massachusetts. He got saved that night. We're ambassadors, and if you want to be an ambassador for Jesus, you better learn to speak the language of our country. Okay? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Give him thanks and speak faith, not fear. It also is going to have an enormous impact on our stewardship. I've told this story so many times, I've probably told it here at least once, maybe twice. Get ready to hear it again. Because this was a story that impacted me so deeply. When we adopted those kids from Ukraine 18 years ago, the oldest one, was 13 years old. His name is Stephen. He's a champion for Christ today, absolutely on fire for the Lord. And when Stephen had not yet met us face to face, he simply had the promise that we were coming to get him and take him to a better place. He began giving away his favorite things. He lived in an orphanage. They didn't have much. But various missionaries had come and visited and given the kids certain things, and he had a few possessions that were precious to him. He gave them all away. He gave them all away. Why would you do that? Because he knew he was going to a better place. He knew that that orphanage was not his home. It's where he was living at the time, but his home was across the ocean. 
But he hadn't even met us. Yeah, but he had faith. It wasn't faith in God. It was faith in our word. And thank God, having learned to believe our word, he would learn to believe God's word and live the way that all of us are to live in obedience to the Lord because we trust in God's promises. And when you know that heaven is your home, you don't feel like you've got to hang on to everything here. It's easy to give. It's easy to give. It's easy to give. It's a joy to give, to share what you have with somebody else because you know, hey, this life is short. And we're just passing through. I don't... I don't have to have a huge collection of things for my kids to figure out what to do with after I'm gone. Susan and I are now in the process of going through our stuff because we've got our stuff and then we've got my parents' stuff and then we've got my aunt and uncle's stuff because their son was an only child who never married, never had kids and left it all to me and they were hoarders. You just can't imagine what fun going through all that stuff. And see, I know that if I was a wicked man and my wife were a wicked woman, we could just hang on to it all and let our kids figure out what to do with it. <laughs> but we're, we're better than that. <laughs> let me just tell you something, folks. The question is whether or not you really believe God's Word. Do you trust Him? Because if you trust Him, you're going to be fine. What if you get sick? What if you do? Maybe there's some people in the hospital that you or your loved ones need to visit. Say, well, they won't let us in right now. Well, they will if you're a patient. Pastor, I don't want to do that. I don't either. But I'm not going to worry about it. Because if, if we end up in the hospital, it must be God has a plan. And if we don't end up in the hospital, it must be because God has a plan. We don't have to worry about finances. We don't have to worry about our health. We don't have to worry about the election. Now, I'll tell you this, I'm not saying we shouldn't care, I'm not saying we shouldn't pray, I'm not saying we shouldn't vote, I'm saying we're commanded not to worry. We're commanded not to worry. God is not trying to figure this thing out and come up with a plan. Okay? I had the privilege as a teenager of getting to know Corey Ten Boom, and one of Corey's favorite expressions was, there's never a panic in heaven. She was right. There's never a panic in heaven. God never says, oh, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> Doesn't happen. God is on the throne. He's working all things together for the good of those who love him who are the called according to his purpose. Amen? Amen. 
That is absolutely rock solid no matter what year it is. No matter what situation it is. Andrew Brunson can tell you, sometimes when you're going through dark times, it is not the way you feel. But it's what you know that has to determine your behavior. And so you and I need to live as ambassadors for Christ in this world. And if we do that, we'll be the best citizens in this country. We will be people who love our neighbor as we love ourselves. We will be people who love our enemies because God commanded it, not because we feel like it or because we think they're lovely, but because when we were his enemies, God loved us. And he loved us not in some cheap, superficial, glib way. He loved us to the point of sending his son to die on the cross to pay for our sins. That's how much he loved us when we were hostile toward him. And now he says, you're my ambassadors. I'm making my appeal through you. You need to call people while there's time to be reconciled to me. Loving your enemies doesn't mean that you agree with them when they're lying. It doesn't mean that you approve of things that God condemns. My oldest brother is a cancer surgeon. If somebody came to him with a tumor and he said, oh, lots of people have tumors, don't worry about it. That wouldn't be loving. Sometimes you and I have to tell people, hard truths, because God says so. But do you do it in love, or do you do it in a mean way? What if you went to see the doctor, like I have before, and said, I've got this thing, and he said, oh, probably cancer, okay? You probably deserve it. I'd want another doctor. My doctor nearly scared me to death. Turned out not to be cancer, by the way. I usually forget to tell the end. But my brother checked it and he said, oh, yes. Well, I should tell you that uh, 80% of these tumors are uh, benign. But if uh, 80% are benign, then it goes without saying that uh, 20% are uh, not benign. He was afraid to say the C word. You understand? He was an oncologist. But he was wanting to be so gentle that he couldn't bring himself to say it. That made me even more scared. We just need to be honest with people. Lovingly tell them the truth. Folks, if it's sin, it's sin. Don't pretend it's not. Don't just say, well, you know, I think that's probably not the wisest course. Say, listen, the real concern 
is what does God say about this? Because you and I are going to have to stand before him one day. And all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the consequence is that we all deserve death. We deserve to be separated from him for eternity. But God is rich in mercy. And he sent his son to seek and to save that which was lost. And if you have never come to the point of saying, okay, God, I've made a mess of my life. I may look nice to people around me, but you and I both know I'm a mess inside. Lord, have mercy on me. Forgive my sins. Save me. I can tell you right now, he'll do it. He did it for me, he'll do it for you. He promises whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You may feel you've waited too long, you haven't. You still have breath. Do it now. If you've never trusted him as your Lord and Savior, today is the day of salvation. Call out to the Lord. Ask him to save you. Don't let this moment pass you by. If you're sitting there and you're saying, you know, I've made my home this world and it's not looking good, come to Jesus. He said he's gone to prepare a place for you and He'll come back and take you to be with him forever. Don't miss that. Don't miss out. You are going to spend eternity either with your heavenly father as a redeemed, born-again child of God, or you're going to spend eternity in outer darkness, in absolute torment. Those are the only two options. There is no third avenue. There is a broad way that leads to destruction, and many travel on it. There is a narrow way that leads to life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Come while you can. Trust him while you have the opportunity. Ask him to save you. And folks, if you're here and you say, I did that long ago, but I have strayed. I have messed up. I've turned aside. Cry out to Jesus. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Cry out to Jesus. He will hear and he will save you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the amazing love that you have shown us in Christ Jesus. We thank you that we can live here as aliens and strangers, not in fear and dread, but in gratitude and praise to you. We ask that you would work in our hearts this day transformation so that we would speak the language of heaven and rejoice in you always. Grant that we would be believable witnesses in a world that is filled with confusion and lies. Grant that we would walk in truth and honor you always. For we pray in the name of Jesus, the only Lord and Savior. Amen.
Thank you for being part of our worship today. Please contact us and tell us about what God is doing in your life. If you are in the Atlanta area, we hope that you can visit us in person. God bless.